0: through the mess inside me and call me out, pull me in, tell me I can start again and I don't need to keep on hiding fully enough. His endless grace to be known, fully known. truth, the kind of love that's bulletproof, and I surrender to your kindness, I'm fully known. we
1: Church, as we gather here on this Sunday evening for a very special occasion, uh, one of our own uh, that we baptized. Wow, Um, a workhorse in the church. Uh, Tonight, we're going to set him apart, uh, approved by Zion Baptist Church, Uh, ordained him as a deacon in the ministry. Josh, I just want you to know that I am proud of you uh, as I've watched you grow and look forward to the Lord doing great things uh, in the future. So thank you, uh, Time Baptist Church, and those that are visiting with us uh, to be here on this very special night. Let's go to the Lord in a time of prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you thanking you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that you are still in the saving business. We thank you that you made the provision for all of that to take place when you became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld your glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And after demonstrating that grace and that truth for 33 and a half years, there was the ultimate demonstration. When you went to the cross and there died for the sins of the world, tonight we gather together just like John say, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We're thankful that after that death, after that sacrifice had been made, because you are the perfect sinless Son of God, you didn't stay in the grave, but on the third day they went looking for you and the tomb was empty. We're thankful for that tonight. And in that same resurrection power, one of our own has been saved, baptized, and begin to serve in the ministries here. And on this special night, he's being ordained into the gospel ministry as a deacon at Zion Baptist Church. So Father, I pray tonight that you would use this time that we've gathered together to glorify and honor yourself. But God, also, I pray that you'd lift up this family. God, that you'd bind the heart of Josh and Misty. Their children, Lord, and draw them closer to you than they ever dreamed possible. But God, not only that, I pray that you'd use them in greater ways, Lord, than they could even imagine. So, Lord, help us that we'd just simply enjoy you, enjoy each other, enjoy this time together. And everything that's said and done, may we worship you because you are worthy to be worshipped. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask Miss Francis at this time if you will come and read the minutes from the business meeting.
2: On January 13, 2019, the deacons recommended that Josh Dillenhout be ordained as a deacon of Zion Baptist Church. This was passed with no opposition.
1: Thank you, Miss Francis. The Bible records these words in 1 Timothy chapter number 3, beginning at verse number 8. Likewise must the deacons be grave not double-tuned, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slander, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchase to themselves a good degree and a great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. When we met with Josh, he was asked about the qualifications to be a deacon, and I just read them before. One of the things that impressed me the most was he didn't jump up and down and start saying I'm qualified and start naming the ways that he was qualified. He said, with the help of the... Now, I'm paraphrasing, Josh. I don't remember the exact words. But he said, basically, with the help of God, I'm doing the best I can. And I don't feel worthy to be called a deacon. I said, that right there is a man that's qualified. I don't feel worthy to be in the ministry either, Josh. Ain't one of us worthy to be saved. Thank God he's making something out of us that we're not worthy to be, and I'm proud of
2: This is a real pleasure for me an honor to me it's an honor that I just I didn't see coming for a little bit but then I should have known as soon as you got baptized up in the river the other last year and you or a couple years you called hallelujah you was a changed person and we've sit here and we've watched you grow faithful to the church humble spirit and I can't tell you how the is so proud of you and uh, my little niece and I'll call you my nephew too, even though it's a marriage nephew, but you're my nephew, and I appreciate this. I appreciate this. It's an honor that you let me speak tonight. But it's an honor that I get to see you grow in the faith of Jesus Christ and to serve the church. My part this evening is to charge the candidate, believing that we have been led by the Holy Spirit to elect and set apart Josh Dillingham for the office of a deacon. And I'm so proud of you. I have some things I want to share with you tonight, Josh. Misty. I don't want to live Misty out of this now. I know I'm talking to Josh, but I don't want to leave you out of it. Yeah. But i be a godly deacon putting God first and foremost in your life. Put God first in everything you do. That's something When today's time in society we get so caught up that we don't do that. We let self make decisions. But I promise you if you'll put God first it'll change y'all's life it'll make a difference when I think about this I think about our Sunday school class we had here a while back and it talked about self-centered or Christ-centered I challenge you to be Christ-centered in all your decision making if you're Christ-centered it'll change your life I promise
3: you and I know you're doing that
2: now because I can see your life and you're growing but it's a good thing be a godly husband. People want to know why marriages don't work. They leave God out of the marriages. You've got to have a godly husband, godly wife. Be a godly husband to your wife. You've got to do that. Be a godly father. And you know my father. And he was your grandpa. He is a godly man. Him and my mother, they led a, life that changed all of our lives because they challenged us, they kept us in church, they grew, we grew because of that and we're seeing that growth with y'all and the grandchildren now and I just praise the Lord for that be the spiritual leader in your home I want you to be a spirit leader man, spirit leader man, so important you got to lead the family, you know God, Jesus, husband wife, children there's an order And in that order, I want you to be able to share the gospel with them, have devotions, pray with them, do all that kind of things with them, bring them to church. It will change their lives, and you'll see generations change. You'll need to grow in a Christ-likeness. You'll need to become a spiritual strong because you have been given a job that is impossible to do without the power of God. In the years to come, you'll be lifted up as an example of spiritual maturity that others can follow. You will also be asked to help the hurting, minister to the sick, counsel those who need directions in their life, as well as other ministries. In short, challenging sometimes is difficulty. Ministry awaits you in the coming years to come. But I am tell you, when you do the ministries, and you can ask Pastor Parker or Pastor Keith, you'll be the one that gets the blessing. Every time you do something for somebody else, God will bless you. I'd like to talk to you about being a servant leader, someone who serves others. Ephesians 5, 6, and 7. Be obedient, doing the will of God from the heart, doing the service as unto the Lord. Do what you do for Jesus from the heart. It's not a mind thing. It's a heart thing. You want to do it from the heart. And when you do it from the heart, that shows love. And that's what you want to show. And then God's going to honor that. And and, and when you do something for somebody else, it's not that you're doing it for somebody else. You're doing it for Jesus Christ. You're lifting him up when you help somebody else. i never forget one time we was on the road and this helpless man was on the road had one of them signs uh, need money or something need food and Brandon was in the car and I'm thinking, man, I don't want to give that man nothing. Brandon gave him a $20 bill. I thought, man, he's, that boy's lost his mind. But you know what? I don't know what that man's situation is, but he served him. So... It doesn't matter. You do it in the name of Jesus, whatever you do to help people or whatever you do to serve in the church. First and foremost in life, first and foremost in the life of a servant is a deep abiding dependency on the living Lord. Depend on Jesus Christ to give you direction. So many times we get caught up and we don't have directions to go. We've got to depend on Christ to lead us. That's what we've got to do. And I like this Bible verse. When I read it, I thought of you psalms 100 verse 2 it is written serve the lord with gladness come before his presence with singing." man everything you do serve the lord have that smile on your face when you go to work have that smile when you come home see your family gladness jesus christ gives us a joy that no other can give us and you know as far as the singing goes you can join us up here in the choir we only had about four men i can get you up here in the choir and sing this would be great and I heard you singing just a minute ago you can sing, I like that song this is another thing about being a servant Joshua 24, 15, I like this choose this day whom you will serve As for me and my house we will serve the Lord man, you can't go wrong when you get your household and y'all all serve the Lord Jesus Christ and that's the most important thing you can share with your family is serving them whatever the task be a servant excuse me, whatever the task, be a servant unto the Lord. As a servant, you will minister to the pastor, uphold him, lean on him from his knowledge, his wisdom, experience. You'll be a servant to the church by supporting its works and ministries and God's people by serving them in love. Being a servant leader brings great responsibility. Next one is be a godly role model. Remember, people are always watching you. They say, uh, you could be the only Bible some people ever see, and it's very true. What we live out in the workplace, in the grocery store, or the store, wherever we're at, you'll never know how that affects people, uh, and it changes lives. And, and you know, we're in a lost and dying world. People don't know Jesus. So that's one thing you have to—your uh, role model plays a big part. It plays a big part in the family, too. What you are— what you're going to be. I mean, you've got to be what you're going to be, and that's a Jesus man. I tell people all the time I'm a Jesus man because so you're going to be a Jesus man. That's what you are. I want you to be that because that's what people going to see in you. Be a man of integrity, always being honest, truthful, respectful, caring, compassionate. Integrity is real important. Be someone who is authentic, the real thing at times, at all times. In other words, don't pretend to be somebody you're not. You're a Jesus man. Be a Jesus man on Sunday. Be a Jesus man Monday through Saturday. Wherever you go, you be a Jesus man. You be a Jesus woman, Misty. Okay? But uh, I think that's so important. Be the church. Well, that sounds sort of silly, being the church. But you're a representative of Christ in this church in all things, in all things at all times. Wherever you're at, you're representing Zion. You're representing Jesus, the church of Jesus Christ wherever you're at. You want to be able to share that with people. Uphold it. You're a representative of the church in Christ. I want to talk about being a spiritual leader. Be a spiritual leader in your home, work, and your daily walk. How do you do that? There's different ways. Uh, At home, that's easy. You want to do what's right at home. At work, don't be complacent. Let people know that you're a Jesus person. Uh, Wherever I go, they'll tell you that Edna Collins knows Jesus Christ. Because it's the fruits that you live, the fruits that you say, and the things that you do. Uh, my Bible, my literature, my things I have at work, people know where I stand. They don't come around and curse in front of me and stuff like that because they know what I believe in. And, uh, you know, wherever I'm at, that's what I'm going to be. But in your daily walk, you just wherever you're at, present Christ in your growth this is what Second Peter 3.18 says but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ our Savior you stay in God's word you'll grow and in in Colossians 3.16 let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching abonishing one another if you stay in the word you'll grow more and more and more I promise you because I've seen it in my own life I've seen it with my children I've seen it with my family be intentional in your spiritual growth through Bible study and prayer. I can't encourage you no more. Pastor Parker's here tonight. One of the first things he said, I'll never forget, he said uh, when he went into the ministry, he came home from a cotton mill and he told Miss Brenda, he said, I'm going in a room. Is this correct? And if I'm telling something wrong, you tell me. I'm staying in that room for 30 minutes. Don't bother me. Don't do nothing. I'm in my prayer time, my study time, and my preaching time. That stuck with me. And what he does is dedicate that time. And I tell you how much dedication he is. I went to his house one time. He had a chair sitting there, and he said, "That's God's chair." I I didn't sit in God's chair. Hey, but when he's in his study, God's in that chair, and he's talking to him. He's got a relationship with God. That's called spiritual growth. That's where you get to spiritual growth. Hearing God's word preached. Man, I can't tell you how I love to come and hear Pastor Keith, Pastor a Parker preach anybody preach but you just don't get it on sunday if you hear it on the radio during the week on tv wherever you hear god's word preached the more you put in the more you're going to be able to go out and spiritually share the word uh fellowship with believers i'm a lucky person i work with a place where i've got two or three christian men we get to talk share what Man, I, I, I get to tell them about, I'm going to get to tell them about Keith today, tomorrow. I'm going to get to tell them about, we got snakes in us. And they're going to say, how we got snakes in us? I said, that old evil snake comes out when we say bad things, you know. But I get excited because I get to tell people about Christ. I get to talk about Christ. And when you're around believers, you know what it does to you? It builds you up. It gives you confidence, more confidence. I can be around them too and I've got all kind of confidence. But you know, it gives you that confidence to share but now when I say just have worship, I mean a fellowship of believers, I'm not saying not to include lost people because next you want to include lost people because you want to share your testimony with unsaved people. Wherever you're at, you want to share that testimony. What's your testimony? It's your story. Just like we went through the training, simple, easy, this is my story. And it changes people's lives. Every day it changes people. People need to hear the story gospel, the good news, the birth, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I always remember him saying it. But uh, share your testimony with people wherever you go. Be a co-laborer, a protector, and a friend to your pastor. Pastor Keith, I love you. Pastor Parker, I love you. I can count on them for anything, call them at any time. If they, I'm a co-laborer with y'all. You know that. I hope you know that. I want to be a co-laborer. Protector. I tell the deacons, and I told you this the other night. I feel like a three musketeers, and don't y'all laugh? Three musketeers, somebody's going to take care of somebody. And when I'm a musketeer, I'm going to take care of Pastor Keith, Pastor Parker, anybody. I always remember a story about Elijah. Josh, this is a good story. These old kids come up, they made fun of the Elijah being bald headed, and these bear cubs come and eat them, maul them. Hey, that was enough to tell me when I, I taught that to RAs one time, and I read that in the Bible. said, I'm going to tell you something, I ain't talking about the preacher. Hey, I learned right faces. Things they don't pay to talk to the preacher. But uh, protect him. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Protect him. He's your friend. My friend, I want you to know. Both of y'all are my friends. Great friends. Then I want to talk to you about your prayer life. First of all, set aside a special time to pray, time each day. That's an easy habit. I mean, if you don't do it, it's an easy habit not to do, but if you do what I was talking about what Pastor Park, if you'll set a time and say, Lord, I'm going to pray to you today, it'll change your life. Pray for your wife. Pray for your children. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your church. Pray for the will of God and glorify Him in all things. Whatever you pray for, always pray for God's will for whatever it's going to be. And look for God's direction in that prayer, and it will change you. And glorify Him when things happen. I like Debbie and I try to do it myself sometimes is try to remember when God answers those prayers man, write them down because you can go back and say boy, he answered that and it, 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 it just it's a testimony you'll share with somebody else. Misty, I, I wrote a bunch of stuff down. I told Misty when I came in, I said well, I wrote all this toward talking to Josh but I said when I got your name I didn't write nothing down because I didn't know what I was going to say but I'm going to tell you. Be faithful. Be a servant. He's going to be out at times with meetings and things like that, and you're going to say, Oh, gosh, they got another deacon's meeting. Here they are. Just be patient. He's going to come home, and you're going to say, What'd you talk about? He said, I can't tell you because Doug's talking confidential. Just have to bear with you. But support him. Love him. Honor him. Do the things that Pastor Keith said that was in the Bible about the, uh, First Timothy. And, and you'll be a great wife to him, you're a great niece. God-fearing, you're a God-fearing family and I just can't appreciate that so much but last of all, Josh it's important to remember that you'll make no decision on your own you're one member of a body of men that prayerfully and diligently make decisions together seeking the will of the Father as we meet as a group you know, we're going to be talking about things sometimes it's not not, I lost my mind not always nice to talk about or you know not not, not nice to talk about things that have to be talked about and when you come back and have to vote on things some people might not be happy but you know as a group we make that decision we pray over those decisions and I tell you all decisions you ever make pray, pray, pray and ask God what his will would be Josh I charge you, Josh Dillingham with these things And pray that you will try to do them the best of your ability. May God bless you. And please know that you're in my prayers. And I look so forward to serving with you in the upcoming years. God bless you, Joshua Misty. And we love you with all our heart.
3: Josh and Misty. I don't know you except that I've been introduced to you this evening, but I do know this church. They're wonderful people. They have a wonderful leader, and you're starting a wonderful ministry with them along the way. But it's my responsibility tonight to charge this church and church, I want to say to you tonight, we have an obligation to this dear brother and his wife. So I want you to take your copy of The Mind and the Voice of God, and I want you to turn with me to 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I want to look at two verses with you tonight, verses 12 and 13. And I want to speak on this subject, saints, listen. Saints, listen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 12 and 13 reads like this. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their works sake and be peace among yourselves. Church, we are fortunate and privileged tonight to have the opportunity to ordain one of God's servants as he begins his ministry here as a deacon. I believe by God's provision and God's providence that Josh and his family has become part of the family of God here at Zion Baptist Church. I also believe that God has a great ministry for him as he helps to lead this church in the days to come. As we ordain him tonight, we can say that we've had a hand in helping him to do what the church has elected him to do under God's divine authority. The question is, what and how can we do this? We can do this by having a willing heart to do four things for Him as a church family, which helps us to fulfill our obligation in the text which I have just written. Read, I've just read. Let me read it again. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And be at peace among yourselves. Four simple things I want you to see. I want you to exalt him in prayer. I want you to encourage him in the faith. I want you to excuse him when he makes a mistake. And I want you to exhibit to him God's unconditional love. Notice with me, first of all, exalt him in prayer. Raise him and his family up in prayer on a daily basis. Now hear me and hear me well tonight. You can do more for him on your knees than you can do any other way. The more you pray for him and his family and lift him up, the stronger he will grow in the Lord as his servant. He needs you to become his prayer partners tonight. And I want to give you a prayer from the Word of God that you can pray for him every day. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And I want to read in your presence verses 9 through 12. I want you to mark this prayer. I want you to pray this prayer for Him and for the other deacons, and for your pastor, and for your church. Listen to these words from the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. In life. What a prayer. Hallelujah. You say, Preacher Parker, does that prayer work? I pray it for you, Zion Baptist Church, almost every day of my life. I pray this for you as individuals and the churches that I've pastored. This is my prayer to the Lord. And I want you to adopt this prayer tonight as a church for Josh and his wife and for your pastor and for one another. And if you'll pray this prayer, God will honor your prayer and he will answer it according to his will and we'll all grow thereby and be all that God wants us to be. Josh, if they'll pray for you like this, brother, you're going to grow. You're going to be the servant God wants you to be. And these people will take care of you. And I believe tonight, and I'll call them to attention in a few moments, that they'll commit this prayer unto the Lord for you and your family every day. You can't do any more than you can do on your knees before you do anything you do. Pray for Him. Exalt Him in prayer. But let me show you a second thing that you need to do. You need to encourage him in the faith. Most of you know about Barnabas in the Bible. Barnabas was an encourager. And I want to say to you tonight that it would be good for you to encourage God's servant, Josh. Remember, he is God's servant. And in the heat of the battle, he needs us to come along aside and help him. Deacons get in in times of trouble and they need our help. And when we're praying for them, we ought to come along beside of them and we ought to encourage them and we ought to encourage one another. Now listen to me carefully. Remember that a word of praise from time to time will accomplish far more than a word of criticism. You know the old devil likes for us to criticize each other. He likes for us to tear each other down. But I want to say to you tonight, I've took on the attitude of Barnabas and I'm going to encourage people whether they need to be encouraged or not. I'm going to encourage them anyway because that's what the Bible says we ought to do. A word of praise from time to time will accomplish far more than words of criticism. Encouragement brings unity. Criticism tears down the church of God. Josh, I want to encourage you tonight. As I've already said, I don't know you real well, but I want to encourage you tonight just to walk with the Master, snuggle up close to Him, stay close to Him, and He will bless you, He will bless your family, He will bless your ministry, and He'll bless Zion Baptist Church to God be the glory for it all. So we need to exalt Him in prayer We need to encourage him in the faith. But let me say a third thing. We need to excuse him when he makes a mistake. Let me say that again. I don't believe you heard me. We need to excuse him when he makes a mistake. And I want to say to you tonight, church, hear me. He will make them. But so have we. But you remember old Peter? Peter was one of those apostles that could get both feet in his mouth at the same time. And he could say things and he could fail and he could fall. But you know the Lord saw the potential in Peter and he saw what Peter could be and he said, Peter, you're going to be tested but you're not going to fall. You'll fail but you're not going to fall. You'll be sifted but you'll be alright. And you know I hear old Peter on the day of Pentecost preaching and I see 3,000 souls come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. The Lord didn't criticize him. The Lord in not Encouraged him, and I'll tell you, we live tonight in a world that we need encouragement from one another. Whether we feel like encouraging one another, that's not the point. The point is, we need to encourage one another. I want to encourage you, Pastor, tonight. I love you, Pastor. I'm proud of it. And Keith, I want you to keep up the good work in this church to the glory of God. Now, listen. This might hurt your feelings, but that's okay. I'm known to do that sometime. Listen. People who never make mistakes are people who never do anything. Let me say that again. I think that's pretty good. Don't you listen to it again? People who never make mistakes are people who never do anything, but they're the ones to complain about everything. Think about that. So, if he fails, if he comes short here and there, instead of criticizing him, encourage him, excuse him, forgive him. The Bible says we're to forgive one another as he has forgiven us. Don't be so quick to judge him. Things are not always the way they seem. Make sure you've got the facts before you open your mouth. Sometimes things seem one way, and we hear people say things about this, that, or the other, but when we find out the truth, the facts are totally different than what they seem to be. Amen? Leadership needs to be exalted in prayer. They need to be encouraged in the faith. They need to excuse one another when we make mistakes. And remember, if you've never made a mistake, you've never done very much. But you know, Peter made them over and over. But look what God did with him. and Look what God can do with Josh and his wife and those children and with you as a church. But let me move on to a fourth thing that I want you to see. Not only are we to exalt him in prayer and encourage him in the faith and excuse him when he makes a mistake, but we're to exhibit to him God's unconditional love. Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Then that text begs a question. How did he love us? He loved us with an undeserved love, an unchanging love, an unconditional love, and an unlimited love. And he said, love one another as I have loved you. Josh, I want to charge these people tonight to love you just like Jesus loves them. And church, I want you to love one another just as he has loved you. How has he loved you? He's loved you unconditionally. You say, but preacher, you don't know what he done. Or preacher, you don't know what she done. It really is immaterial whether I know it or not. God still said, love them anyway because I loved you and you were full of faults. Amen? And you know, I'll say this in passing. I'm glad tonight that I know that God loves me. I know that God lives in me, and I know God can't leave me, and God can't forsake me. He can't love me anymore. He can't love me any less. I just thank God tonight He loves me. Amen? And because of that, I'm going to love you, and I'm going to love your wife and your children. I'm going to love your pastor. I'm going to love the deacons. I'm going to continue to love this church. You say, Preacher, why are you going to do that? Because that's what the voice and the mind of God says for me to do, and to do it unconditionally. I'll tell you, church, when we love this man unconditionally, I'll tell you, he'll grow in the Lord. He'll be encouraged in the Lord, and he'll be encouraged in the ministry. Love him unconditionally and let him become what God wants him to be. Now, I don't know if there's a song like this or not. I'm getting older, as you know, and I don't get everything exactly right anymore. But I think there's a song like this, and you can help me. It goes something like this. Love Him in the morning, love Him in the evening, and love Him at night. Amen. And I'll tell you, when you do that... God will bless you, God will honor you, and God will keep you in that vein that you're in now, bringing glory, honor, and praise unto his name. Oh, if we could just learn to love like he loves us. My, my, what a thought. Love. Now, I know your pastor loves you. I've already talked to him. I know he loves. I know that uh, Ed loves you, and I know that the other deacons here, I know them well enough to know that they love you. And they will continue to love you, and they'll take these four principles, and they'll help you. And I believe this church family will do that tonight. Now, church, we've got to do these four things to fill that obligation that we we read in verse 12 and 13. So I come to my closing moment. Church, If you're willing tonight to do these four things for him and his family, I want to ask you tonight to affirm that as a covenant with him by standing to your feet. Josh, look around. Just turn around and look. What are they doing tonight? They're confirming to you a covenant to do these four things, to fulfill the obligation that God gave us in verses 12 through 13. And to God be the glory. Great things he has done, great things he's doing, and thank God for great things he's going to do in the days to come. You can be seated. God bless you, my friend.
1: I'm going to ask our ordained men to come down to the front at this time, all, the, all everyone that's here that's ordained. Uh, Brother Ed, if you want to go ahead and get a couple of seats. Josh and Misty, I'm going to ask you, they're going to place you a couple of seats right here, and uh, we're going to ask you to have a seat. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter number 6, you know the story, they were having problems. They set aside for themselves men to be called deacons, servants to those in the church, uh, those widows and orphans. And the Bible says in uh, verse number 6, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multitude, uh, multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. They prayed, and they laid their hands on them. And that's what... Uh, josh and misty we want you to kind of continue to stay there because i want everyone in the church when we're done to come by and shake your hand and, and speak to you so you can keep those chairs there but uh, as you're sitting there i'm going to uh, present this certificate to you it says certificate of ordination uh, joshua dillingham having been chosen one of good report full of the spirit and of wisdom and capable of using the office well was set apart publicly to the office and work of a deacon by Zion Baptist Church in Morganton, North Carolina, on the 13th day of January, 2019, signed by Francis B. Huffman, church clerk, and Reverend Keith Rose, pastor, Zion Baptist Church.
4: Lord and your fine family thank you Lord for your blessings on me I know I'm not wealthy and these clothes they're not new and I don't have much money but Lord, Me, I've a good place to sleep. There's food on my table and shoes on my feet. You gave me your love, Lord, and your fine.
5: blessing it is to be here tonight. What an honor it is to be here tonight. Love you both. And thank you, Zion Baptist, for your love, your love for this precious family. Excited to see what's ahead of you, my friend, my brother. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, today for your power. We thank you, God, for your presence in this place. Lord, tonight we have truly been blessed as the Word of God has been presented to us, Lord, and this wonderful challenge has been laid at the feet of The man, Lord God, that you have set apart. And God, we just tonight pray once more that you would bless him and his precious family, God. Go with him. Encourage him through and by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God. Lord, we thank you for what you are doing. We thank you for, God, what's ahead. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful family of faith here at Zion Baptist Church. God, what has taken place, Lord, and what is taking place, God, for that. We exalt you and we lift you high. And Lord, as this family comes, Lord, in faith to serve, Lord, we just pray that they would find all that they need in you, because, God, you are the ultimate source, and, God, you are the only source, and, Lord, we praise you for that tonight. God, we thank you for the many blessings, Lord, but we thank you most of all for the gift of salvation, the life that we now have here, and the life that we have forevermore, Lord, thank you. We love you, and in Jesus' name. If you'll
1: hold on just a second I'm going to ask Josh if he will come up for just a second You can be seated I'm I'm going to give him an opportunity uh, to say something to you And then uh, we'll be dismissed uh, uh, The football game was over anyway It wasn't much of a game So you can't be in that big a hurry It's getting by bad Josh, you come on, brother
6: I just want to start by saying um, My cup overflow with, You know, It's a uh, I can't tell you Zion Baptist church how much this means to me and I can't help but try to share a little bit of my story with you because uh, I I just think I need to, but so that you can see how God's worked in my life and hopefully he can work in your life too. Um, So I'll try to keep it brief and I know my children are in here and, and many other children are, um, I didn't grow up in a, in a church-going family um, at all. We didn't even make Christmas or Easter, uh, so I was about as far from church and religion as you can be. Uh, my father was on the wrong side of the law, so we moved around a lot. Um, you know, by the time I was 13, I lived in 14 different states and a number of cities. Um, my mother uh, got sick whenever I was eight years old. She uh, had lupus, and this was in the early 80s, mid-80s. And... Um, you know she spent over a year in the hospital and uh, so she passed when I was 10 and uh, my father just lost whatever was keeping him grounded um, you know he, he got into harder things than whatever he was into at the time and, and um, you know we, we were living in Houston Texas um, he'd begun a couple of different relationships and uh, you know I got a, a stepmom out of that Uh, She escaped an abusive situation, uh, and after a few months, my dad was a a salesman, uh, very silver-tongued and and slick-tongued, and he had, you know, talked his way back into with her. Um, Long story short, so we were at school, and and, uh, he shows up at the school and says, hey, you're going to go home with so-and-so. Your brother's going to go home with so-and-so. My brother's two years older. We didn't know those kids, those families or anything, so just kind of dropped off, and we stayed with them for a week or two, and then my dad picked us up and uh, went down to Corpus Christi, which is where my stepmom was living, and I had a sister, Uh, she was living there, showed up at her apartment, and he said, you guys go ahead and go up, and we're going to park the car, and uh, as soon as we got out, he left, she didn't know we were coming, didn't know anything about it, so uh, my sister, uh, she knew the household that we'd come from, and it, it was, not a good home so uh, she took us and kind of hit us in the city with her uh, husband he was uh, fiance at the time but long story short so we lived with her for a number of years and um, my father ended up getting arrested uh, from a traffic stop and he went to prison and um, a lady had heard our story uh, through the grapevine I guess how that works and she agreed to take us in and um, so It wasn't, it was more like she got our social security checks from my mother and and, uh, we were kind of bread or paychecks for her. So we weren't really supervised. We got into uh, gangs and drugs and and everything else that goes with that. Uh, Kids that have chips on their shoulders. Um, My sister passed a couple years later than that. And uh, I remember we didn't know God, but I remember standing outside after I found out that she passed and uh, I cursed God for everything I could. Every curse word I knew at the time, uh, just every foul thing I could think of. And, uh, you know, I want you to know he never turned his back on me. Uh, That was the first of many times where I went wrong. Um, Anyways, fast forward a little bit. Uh, My friends, everybody that knew me said I'd be dead or in prison for life by the time I was 18. And so, whenever I was uh, 15, a friend of mine, you know, basically gave me an intervention. They had found my dad, he got pardoned after just nine months in jail, and he moved to uh, Weaverville, North Carolina. And he had been writing us letters while he was in prison trying to restore a relationship. And and, uh, so we had his phone number, and my friend had gotten that number and said, look, your sons are gonna die. You know, if you love them or care about them at all, you're gonna do something about it. And uh, so my dad sent a plane ticket, and I came up here to live with him. know, my brother ended up moving up here as well, Uh, my dad passed away when I was 16, he had a massive coronary and a stroke, and he had not changed since prison, he was still abusive, I remember when he was on his deathbed, um, all I could think of was just go ahead and and, uh, some other not nice words, and you know, I couldn't make peace with him, and uh, I couldn't forgive him, and um, fast forward, you know, a few years, and I'd gotten into more trouble, and lost, you know, house, a brother, um, you know, didn't have anywhere to go. So I went in the military. Um, and there's a cadence that you sing in the military called, you know, Hey, I like it here. I love it here. I finally found a home. Well, that struck a chord with me because I felt like I belonged. I I had lost the chip on my shoulder. They taught me discipline. Um, you know, I went airborne infantry in the army and, um, after a while, I got out on medical. I was heartbroken. You know, I've got a SVT on my heart, and it, I lost my airborne status and, and couldn't do my job anymore. Um, didn't know what I was going to do. I felt abandoned again or, or lost. And, um, you know, whenever you, we always hear about fellowshipping with Christians and, and good people. That's so important, church. I, I can't stress that enough. Whenever I got out of the military, all I knew were, uh, less than nice people so i went back to that and fell into those same uh, issues and after a while i was losing my house again losing friends again and i thought well i'll go hide out in college you know i've got the military behind me so i can i can go to school and i picked mars hill college and because um, i thought it was small classes it was supposed to be you know veteran friendly and, and all the buzzwords and um so i went there and i i got into this group of kids from Morganton, North Carolina that I'd never heard of before. Um, I was older, they were juniors at the time, and because I was, you know, a a 21-year-old freshman, um, I kind of clicked with them, and they were Christians. They were, they were, uh, had grown up around Christian families, Um, and so they kind of took me under their wing, and they said, you know, we're going to show you a better way. So they took me to student ministry gatherings and uh, introduced me to other people, and I started attending um, Woodland Baptist Church uh, outside of Weaverville. And I eventually got saved and gave my life to the Lord, but I didn't really understand it at the time. You know, whenever I got saved, um, I was sitting on pins and needles. I had to get out of my seat and go to the altar, and um, but I, I did not get baptized. And then I bring that up. I'm sorry, let me back to So whenever my mother was about to pass, her last wish was for me, for us to be baptized uh, because even though she'd been separated from her her parents for a long time, he was a Baptist minister. So she did grow up in the church, but, uh, you know, couldn't take us to church because they were running from the law and things of that nature. Um, But so my dad went into a church there in Corpus Christi and I don't know what he told the pastor, whatever he had to, to get us in there. And we got baptized. I didn't understand it. I didn't know what it meant. Um, So it wasn't genuine. And um, that's why, you know, the youth were doing a day here at Zion Baptist church. And uh, it was just overpowering. And I knew that I was in the wrong. I wasn't quite saved yet. So I asked Keith to baptize me and we went down to the river. And um, ever since that day, you know, whenever I came out of that water, I was shouting, woohoo, uh, because the only thing I could think of when I was under that water, for any of you that's played sports and, and, you know, you're in the championships and that last point scored and you're on the winning team, it's over, right? The season's over. You're champions. You're victorious. Nobody can take that away from you. That's how I felt whenever I came out of that water is I was on God's team and the game's over, right? I mean, we're on the winning team and, um, so I, I, ever since that moment, um, attending Zion Baptist Church where the scripture is preached and, and we're true to the word, um, I sat on a lot of pews after I got saved at, at Woodland Baptist Church and many different churches, and I don't think I ever heard the scripture preached like I have here, um, so I didn't understand it. I, I was, um, what I'm going to call is riding the pine as a Christian. I was, I was, you know, on the, the B team, um. But once I started hearing the word preached and I started reading the Bible for myself, I started understanding um, what my family had been telling me and talking about and what people had been doing the way they've been living their lives. And it changes your life. It changes your world. Um, So I've skipped a lot because of uh, the audience, Um, but I was a wretch and God has saved me. And, And um so I just want to encourage you, church, first from a heartfelt thank you. Uh, ever since we first came here to bring our kids for Vacation Bible School, you guys were so welcoming. And we knew it was on Baptist because of Ed and, and Brandon and uh, had been here. But I can tell you, you guys are a loving church. And one of the most profound things, that group at Mars Hill, you know, I didn't have any family to go to at Christmas, so I would go home with some of those people. And I remember uh, David George's mom She had probably eight or ten kids there. Didn't know us from Adam, but she fed us, gave us places to sleep. And and I said, thank you. And she said, son, this isn't my house. It's God's house. I will never forget those words as long as I live. And and I thought, you know, that's an active Christian, right? I mean, living the word, adhering to the word. Um, So I would encourage all of us to be active Christians because our mission field is our home. It's our family that doesn't know Christ. If we start there and we get our families living right, then people notice that. And that's how, you know, how do I get what you have? You know, that's a a powerful thing. And I won't take any more of your time, but I just want to say thank you, church, uh, for accepting me and my family. And thank you for this great honor. And uh, I look forward to serving you.
1: I'm going to ask you, church, if you will, at this time. uh, Preacher Parker, you go ahead and go in the back. Ed, you go to the back. Uh, Stephen, where you at? You ain't hiding. Get on up and you go back there with them and you come by. Now, church, I'm going to ask you to come by and speak to Josh and Misty and then speak to Preacher Parker and Ed and uh, Stephen as you leave. Thank you, Zion Baptist Church. Let's close in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for this special night. May it be the first night, Lord, of a lifetime of serving you. And Father, we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name.